Cheers. How was your travels? Cheers, man. What are you drinking? Kalua and Coke. Jack and Coke. Oh. Kalua and Coke. <laughs> that sounds Jack really and- awful. Sounds like something you drink. It sounds like a good character. Just because I've actually, just because I've drunk Kahlua before, you assume that every drink I have is Kahlua and some variant. Kahlua yeah. and Coke is a terrible suggestion. It's because you once I saw you once drink Kahlua, and also I'm also filling that in with like what I know about you as a person. Okay, you know. but what what what's what's the ideological difference between say a baileys and a kalua they're both like cream liqueurs are you anti-baileys yeah i would be anti-baileys yeah wow well it's not it's not that i'm anti-baileys it's just that it's it's just like a bit weak it's like if someone ordered well, it's a, not a strong drink yeah no no i mean no i mean like not i mean in ca- of from a heteronormative perspective that doesn't sort of fit with your perceived ideals of masculinity that's okay it's brave of you to admit that okay. you couldn't enjoy a, a weak, creamy drink. It takes all types in, in 2019, s- and I'm here to say I support you, Michael. Look, if someone orders like if someone orders a latte with two sugars, I th- I turn my nose up a little bit at them, you know. <laughs> and you've got such a huge nose to turn up. Okay. Well, that was not, my my nose in Sri Lanka, man. I tell you what, it doubles. <laughs> That's why it's so significant. Um, it's so weird to them. It's so, so you, weird you're to just them. You, it's just more. It's it's like a generic snobbery. It's like I'll apply my standards of taste to everything other people do. Be it I, I a, would double, say I, a double sugar latte, a uh, a cocktail I wouldn't drink. You've really expanded would, I, the vegetarianism into like a broader mindset where just anything anyone else does that's different is wrong. I think the the term general snob would be aptly applied to me. <laughs> I think I am a snob about a lot of things, but yeah, like not fair. that much, just a little bit. Not important about stuff, a lot really. Of things. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> yeah. What's been going on? Uh, you tell me how your trip was. You've been in Sri Lanka for the past two and a bit weeks. Yeah, it was the best. It was extremely good. We got um, there are lots of different sides to Sri Lanka. Um, so we spent some time in the mountains. We did some hiking. We went into like a dense city, in you know, through markets and. And then we what was that adjective? To... Did you say dead city or dense city? Dense. 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 Like a populated yeah. um, city. Went down, spent some time by the beach. Um, we went to a, an old historic town. It had everything, man. It had everything. I could write a really good tourism ad for Sri Lanka right now. Do, it's, it's, is trip. it one of those places which is newly discovered? Like, because I hear people talking about it a bit more. Is it a place that has been found and is as it always was? Or is it a place that's been sort of gentrified a little bit to make it more accessible to, like, a Western traveller? Like, is it now safer than it was or different? It's got a pretty interesting history because uh, the British... It's been colonised by the British, the British, the Dutch, the Portuguese at different times. Huh. Uh, one interesting thing that I learned there is that they're, the only native spi- uh, spice in Sri Lanka is cinnamon. Everything else was, all the other spices there were brought there by the British. 
when they colonized it. I really struggle with this word. Colonized it. Just think colonoscopy. Um, Okay, cool. Thanks. And um, it was also formerly known as Salon in, until um, 1970s, maybe. Right. So it wasn't. It was only called Sri Lanka in, in the late 70s. I think that's right. Um, and I, yeah, it's. I wouldn't say it's. The, it's gentrified. It's. Um, so it's, I think it's just it, a place it's, that sort of post post rename. Do you think it's sort of got people's attention a little bit, and so they've sort of they've headed over there? Because because what was the cause of the the break from Ceylon to Sri Lanka? Was that political change, or was that uh... that that was? I think that was that was the uh, I don't know something about the British rule in Sri Lanka. Mm. Maybe they've also had a civil war there that's been going on for ages. So I think in in like there's we we went and saw some like like historic artwork that was, it was um, tourism ads for, uh, from the British to the British advertising salon as a place to go and relax. So right. that was from like the the twenties and thirties. Um, we sent some postcards off with those old um, kind of uh, tourism, tourism ads. And so I think, I think there was there was a there was a bit of a spike then to like it was it was made aware to the world then and then I think with the civil war war in Sri Lanka it, tourism maybe died off and then once the civil war uh, finished in like two thousand and four or something and they had okay. a few tsunamis then tourism has been on the rise it was also like Lonely Planet's number one travel destination a couple of years right yeah so, it's so it, it was sort of but then they had the bombings. Uh- Right, yeah, but you didn't feel unsafe time. anywhere. You've travelled some weird places. It, it was it on the radar at all with any sort of um, concerns whatsoever? No, no, no rational concerns. They've got they've got a really large population of equally it seems of Muslim, Christian, Hindu, and Buddhist, and you see all of these people walking down the streets, and they're easily identifiable by what they're wearing. And you hear the call to prayer from the Muslims and the Hindus at different times, and it's it's pretty interesting in that respect. Mm. Um, but uh, there was one time, uh, yeah, I was gonna, I was going to bring this up because there was one time I was on I was on the beach, and my I was relaxing, and this guy who he was kind of decked out in the you know uh, he was very clearly Muslim, and his wife was in a hijab next to him. And I, I felt a bit bad for this, but that my that was the only time I I thought, and I knew it was irrational at the time, but I I my my head went to like those shooting when they went to a tourist in somewhere in Europe, maybe Turkey or somewhere, and they shot up some tourists on a beach, and my my head my head went to that place while I was just sitting down there trying to relax, and this guy was like right behind me, and I was like, man, am I am I am I just a a bit of an asshole for thinking this and it's it's just one of the, it's like it's clearly irrational yeah but um i think ricky gervais had a bit on this and he said you know he thought he you know he saw someone who looked like a representation of of a terrorist or something in in the media on his plane and then he felt really bad about actually ever having that thought but then i don't know it's it's weird it's weird trying to talk yourself out of those 
kind of ridiculous. It's, I, mean, I don't even know if it is ridiculous. I just don't want to like. I don't, I don't want to be yeah. racist. I don't. Want I don't to, think it's. I'm not. I'm not externalizing this at all. But yeah. Apart from now, but I wasn't externalizing it then. I was just having this thought, and I was like, Wait, is that just racist to think? And I guess it is kind of a form of racism. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's also it's based on uh, imagery, right? Like it, it's a mainstream perception, like that has been pushed out there in association with uh, terrorist events, right? You don't see on mainstream TV people dress like that, um, you know, just in a Coles commercial. So there's no sure. there's no normalization of that outside of it. So the only yeah frame of reference for your brain to think of where have I seen this before? The only place that it can pull it out is going to be in, in those contexts. So I, I don't think it's, I think by catching yourself in that thought process and then self analyzing, I think you've sort of shown that you're actively uh, uh, self critiquing or, or self analyzing um, that thought process in a way that's, um, you know, useful slash important. Um, but it is yeah, and as, as soon as you go to like an airport, to, you know, say even I don't know Dubai, I mean, and the whole the whole um, I mean that kind of I mean it's it maybe not it's maybe we're not maybe uh, used to it that much in in where we are in New yeah. Zealand or in Australia, but this is like a huge amount of the population that actually dresses like this. So yeah, you know, uh, other yeah. So you, you're forced to think about like it, yeah. Yeah, but that wasn't. It wasn't. We also. I mean, to 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 be fair to me, that I mean, there was also a kind of a heightened security there after the Easter bombings. Um, so that it's kind of in the back of your mind because there's there's police, there's military police basically wherever you go with AK forty sevens. Yeah. Um, and so it's just it's a it's a constant reminder, but realistically, felt completely safe the whole time. We we actually avoided um, Colombo entirely. Is that where the bombings were? That's where the bombings were. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was a really good trip. I'd really recommend going there. Mm, that's cool. And you saw, like, I saw you um, just stumble into elephants and um, saw some pretty amazing scenery. Like, it was properly picturesque. It was really good. We um, there's it's good traveling with Emma because she's really conscious about animal. Um, cruelty and stuff so we didn't want to do we didn't want to fall into those touristy kind of there's lots of elephants and there's a there's a few that are chained up and they they're pretty poorly treated um and you, you see every now and then you'd see an elephant in a creek and there'd be all these tourists around there t- taking photos and it was yeah we, we, we were conscious to to walk right right by it and if we saw any animals chained up we wouldn't give any money or anything and we went to this national park which was completely wild like it's a it's a proper national park we went on safari all the animals there are are there because free yeah that's where they live yeah um there's a shitload of peacocks really everywhere peacocks i've Um, never seen one before what really you've never seen seen a peacock apart from in the zoo Right. Mm. Um, yeah, they got they got all them tail feathers. What was the sort of general background of most of the tourists that you saw? Was it Americans? Was it Australians? Were you seeing Brits? Did you get a sense of who was going there? <clears throat> we 
very very lucky in the sense that tourism there yeah so we obviously we did see a lot of tourists but tourism there has completely plummeted so for us as travelers it was really great because most of the hotels most of the places that we're staying at there's maybe another another couple out there but there's that where there are only two couples there there was both right. there, there was basically the story for the whole time so we didn't see as many tourists as we as we would have the tourists that we did see it's a fairly backpackery place to go i would say there's there's, there's a few surfing spots down on the south so huh. um as there was a, there's a few I, I don't know if i can just notice the australians more i did note i did notice this hearing the australian accent quite a lot mm. but i think it's pretty pretty diverse mm. And uh, do they are they English receptive, or are you sort of uh, nodding and smiling most of your way through? Yeah, most of the, most of the people there learn English in school. Oh, <clears throat> so it it's tough in certain parts, but um, yeah. Uh, by the fun. end of it, by the end of it, like because they 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 to say yes, Indians do this as well, though. They kind of wobble their head a little bit, and that means that means yes. And it's pretty it's pretty funny trying to get used to that because it kind of looks like a no. And right. so when you ask them a question, then they'll just you know <laughs> move their head to the side. And you're like, yeah. What do I? But by the end of it, Emma and I were kind of inadvertently yeah, just, just doing it, it to up. ourselves, <laughs> like with each yeah. other. Um, and it's interesting seeing. I was I was wondering how that. Um, what would you call that? Is that a mnemonic device? What's no, it's not a device? mnemonic device, but it's like a, um, it's almost like a, a cultural tick or something like a, a, a yeah, a, a learned gesture in the way that a nod yeah. means a yes over here or, you know, the middle finger's rude or, you know, that kind of yeah. stuff is, I don't know what you call that category of a nonverbal yeah. communication. We walked past the school once and there was a group of small boys and they were all doing it. They were all nodding to their teacher like that. And it's, it just made me think how that kind of thing, that, that must be, that must be deep in there in history. Anyway, that's kind of a stupid side note, but, um, no, it's interesting. Yeah, had a really good trip. I think you should go. Mm, when I have money to travel, I will put it on the list. The, um, when we were catching our Uber back to the airport, the Uber driver, I would put my Uber bags in into Sri the Lanka. back seat. Yeah. Good way to travel in Sri Lanka, actually. Hmm. Locked in prices. Um, he smacked, he pulled down the boot and smacked me in the head. <laughs> like and he didn't have any really teeth to hurt. knock out. <laughs> it really hurt. And he asked me, he was like, I think he didn't. He didn't know that he did it initially, and then Emma was like, "Oh my god, are you okay?" And then I was just like, "Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine." And he was like, "Oh, oh, sorry, sorry." He's like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'm fine." And I just like completely blew it off. And Emma was like, "Why? Why didn't you say anything?" I was like, "Because I really, I really didn't want to say anything because I didn't want it to be awkward for him. We had like an hour to drive." And so I just didn't. I just pretended in the back seat of the car. So probably like, probably like tears came out of my head, mm. out of my face. 
Um, there's this guy, and there's like this egg forming on the on on my head after getting smacked. Just you didn't want to didn't risk want your five star rating. Well, I didn't want I didn't want him to feel bad. I didn't want the whole trip him looking back and going, oh, "I'm really sorry about the, I'm really sorry about the <laughs> about the smack in your head." Jeez, that was yeah, it. that's that's awkward. Um, did you you didn't see your you got relatives over there? That do you have any distant people you could have caught up with? We do, but it's a little bit complicated, um, and we didn't end up seeing anyone but it's a little bit complicated just because my granddad was a bit of a prick to my mum and shit and that whole thing granddad's still alive or not yeah he's still alive um so i could have but then and then i would have had to open up that dialogue with him and mum was like uh i don't know so we just kind of left it and i just went around telling everyone that i was half sri lankan yeah so fair enough yeah. <laughs> Ooh, welcome to Deep Ford, everybody. Oh, so nice to be back. It's been a little while. <laughs> it's been a little while. Uh, it's been a little back. while. Uh, what's this strange thing happening in the background? Oh my gosh. After 122 good old episodes, we have uh, we've upgraded our theme song just a little bit. Goodbye invitations, goodbye Shack Attack. Thank you so much for all of your years of service, and uh, we encourage you all to go and buy the track. Uh, and please don't sue us. Please don't sue us. It was lovely of you to be so generous in not suing us for so long. But times have changed, and uh, let's go a little bit bossa for a while. We'll, you know, we'll fiddle, fiddle with it. Give it, give it a listen. See how you feel. I really like it. I really like Thank the tune. You. I like the. Uh, it's perfectly. You know, I was thinking this the other day that elevator music people always slag it off. <laughs> yeah. They say this, this sounds like elevator music. I'm, I'm like, elevator music's my favorite genre of music. <laughs> yeah, and I wish actually. When was the last time you went into an elevator and there was music? Bring it back. Bring back elevator I music. I or, if all you're doing is going into elevators and you're standing there with a group of people that you don't know in silence, isn't it better for everyone if there's just a little bit of music in the background? Wouldn't that make 100%. everyone's life ten percent better? Dude, I I'm not I am not kidding here. We went to one place in Sri Lanka. We went into an elevator, and I'm not kidding you. They were playing "Girl from Ipanema." <laughs> Perfect. That's what I want. That's what I want when I go into an elevator. One hundred percent. I'm gonna I'm gonna start a new playlist on Spotify. It's gonna be called Elevator Music, and uh, it's gonna be full of all For my cool favorite kids. and most played tracks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yes, uh, come along for the ride with us. It's it's yeah, it's gonna be good. Um, sitting through the internet with me this week, suntanned and jet lagged. Uh, Michael, say hi, Michael. Hey, Michael. Well done. And my nits. Nit- That's your thing. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, fuck it. You know who I am. <laughs> um, what are we talking about this week? Simulation theory. I believe. Do it. Give me the um. Give me the. Just let's get going. Pull this trigger. So I've been thinking about a lot, a lot about this lately. So, 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 so I've been thinking a little about this lately. Um, it's a theory proposed by a Swedish philosopher by the name of Nick Bostrom. Bostrom, um, in two thousand and three. 
um, in which he speculates that I've actually got it right here in front of me, the actual theory, but he basically Bro, speculates research said this shit. Uh, you got a binder. I did. I'm going to get the actual. So he argues that one, at least one of the following propositions is true. Okay. So mm -hmm. I'll get into what simulation, the argument for simulation theory in a bit, but this is the original simulation uh, argument. Proposition. Yeah. So he argues that at least one of the following propositions is true. One, the human species is very likely to, to go extinct before reaching a post-human stage. Two, any post-human civilization is extremely unlikely to run a significant number of simulations of their evolutionary history or variations thereof. And three, we are almost certainly living in a computer simulation. So he's saying that... He's not saying all of those are true. He's saying at least one of those is very likely to be true. Can you go back over them again for me? So one, it's the humans go extinct before uh, evolutionarily becoming post-human. Yeah, he calls that um, um, technologically mature. As so, in, so post-human uh, defined as like cyborg or I, as I, in like genetically distinguishable due to either time say, or editing i would say post-human is indistinguishable indistinguish indistinguishable from ai humans from ai okay so explicitly technological yes okay. um the second one is that um uh, any post oh basically the second one is that uh it He's saying that if a civilization has gotten to a post-human stage technologically, that they're actually probably uninterested in in actually doing this. They're actually uninterested running any in simulating earlier versions of themselves? Yes. Okay. I don't quite understand the import of that yet, but go on to the third one. And then the third one is we are almost certainly living in a computer simulation. Okay, so explain to me how one of these is... Or explain to me the interrelationship of those three thoughts and why one of them has to be true. Well, as, as, as I understand it... So he gives a about a 20% chance that we... I think he's actually increased that lately. But he gives a pr pretty high... Um, percentage chance that we are actually living in a simulation now because if you think about it we if a civilization gets to a point where they are post-human technologically and elon musk has talked about this before he said he said you know 40 years ago we had pong if you go if you like fast track to today we've got you know high high resolution games We've done that in 40 years. If technology is moving exponentially, we can probably imagine, probably sooner than we are anticipating, having uh, being being capable of running simulations that have their own consciousness in the not-too-distant future. And if that's the case, the likelihood that, w that we are living in a simulation 
is pretty high because you can also you can also have if you're getting to a point where you're creating simulations that have of people that have their own consciousness then it's conceivable that those conscious beings that you have simulated or created in a simulation could then also create their own simulation and if the technology you know if if in the first instance the 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 organic race i don't know what you would call that the organic race gets to a point where they can do that um it would you'd really you'd think that it would proliferate through the entire universe or it would be basically an, an in, infinitesimal what's the word there as in Infin- tiny or inf- huge it, huge it would go on for infinity infinitesimal it could is theoretically tiny, go though. okay then the opposite of that it would be Infinite, it, it could yeah. go on forever and ever and ever so the likelihood so, sorry just to be clear before you before you draw that conclusion you're talking about um uh, the idea that in a in a world which has become post-human with a technological ability to simulate um, conscious AIs, within the conscious simulation, uh, within the AI simulations, those simulated AIs could then also themselves reach a level of technological um, proficiency to then like turtles all the way down, like inception level, every universe has a tiny simulated universe inside it and so you're saying that because because we can foresee in our world a future in which simulation of consciousness and universes becomes possible in the distant future that therefore the likelihood is that our world itself is just one chain in an infinite link of simulations all the way stretching above us is that right? right That's that's how I see it. I don't, I don't. I'm not sure if he necessarily argues that in this paper. The way the way I see it is that the chance for life uh, evolving to a point where we are where I can Skype you right now is so is so small, so infinitesimal. Nick, well done. That means really small. Thank you. Um, for it's so is so small and so unlikely. And so unbelievable, really, if you think about it. It's it's you know, it's fucking weird. Everyday life is so weird. <laughs> but when if you if the simulation theory actually kind of kind of solves that uh, unbelievable fact, because it basically life really needs to only evolve once to a post. But how is that stage. different to the argument that? that our life is just the one time that that worked, right? Like how many, we don't, we have no, can't you just say that there are, you know, an infinite number of big, ba- big bangs previous to ours and infinite love, number of parallel worlds in which the basic fundamental properties of physics were slightly different and thus nothing ever happened. Like what's the, what's the, what's the rationale I between guess... one unlikeliness, which is that life evolved in this one that we're conscious and able to experience it versus life, like the one tiny little chance that it simulated version happens, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, that's, I've, I've thought, I've thought about that a lot, but I guess what it, what it does is, is it basically increases the likelihood of, of 
you waking up in a simulation. Like, even if, if it is a simulation, it basically increases the like the chance that you could wake up with consciousness. That's but that's basically what it does. Wait, wait, so, wait, wait, wait. So, like, Matrix style. As in, you're saying there's a likelihood you can get out of the simulation. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. I'm saying you're, you're, you're arguing that um, what's the difference in believing that we're in a simulation if the simulation had to get had to evolve organically anyway, right? Uh, uh, yeah, that wasn't explicitly my point, but, but I, I agree with it. Continue. So I'm saying that if uh, the simulation theory is true, then basically the number of conscious beings in the universe goes up. Do you know what I mean? So you're saying if there is, if you concede, or if you consider that life, our life is simulated and and that there are universes above ours with consciousness, there are, it is, it is good to think or nice to think that there are more conscious beings in the world. And in the typically organic view of, of the universe, we're the only consciousness that we know of. And so yours yes. is like a quantity argument where isn't it interesting or like conceptually reassuring to think there's other consciousnesses around us? Yeah. Isn't that just an argument for religion? Well, that's the thing. I mean, it does, it does, it does give a creator in a sense. It gives a creator, it gives an omniscient uh, hyper level viewing. It gives someone who's around us with consciousness. It's just, it's a technological substitution for God, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, but I mean, I don't think it's as comforting. You don't think it's as comforting as God? No, in the sense that there's no implied afterlife. I, 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 I've, I've been properly thinking about this for, you know, the last few months, and I'm like truly trying to work out if it's true. Like I think there's like at this point I'm on the fence. Yeah, as to whether or not I believe this or not, which is pretty astounding. Well, maybe not for someone like me, <laughs> but it's pretty astounding. I, I'm it's pretty astounded that I can get to a point where I'm just not. I'm not actually sure. I'm like pretty convinced. Um, I don't attach when I think about it. If I don't attach, I think the benevolence is is removed, as in the, the benevolence about, like, of a, a the god Christian, versus a simulation. Yeah, it feels feels more sterile and you know, like a almost like a laboratory, laboratory kind of. Um, that's what that's how it makes me feel. If I if I start to believe it, I feel. And that's the that's the other question. Like, does it does it matter? Well, yeah, I suppose at, at the end of the day, if that if <laughs> it's, it's it's an argument. Um, brought to uh, religious discussion. But at the end of the day, as long as it's not affecting your morality and the way that you treat other people, then sure. Like, I don't, I don't see how fundamentally it really changes anyone's day-to-day life um, 
thinking you're in a simulation unless it becomes to a, a point of detachment for you where you start to lose grip with reality and, and yeah you know, but beyond that like it, it's that's not me dismissing the idea because it is like i said really interesting but um I, I don't see though. the implication of it in in a practical sense uh well you don't think what if we learned it for a fact that would change how do you it. how do you learn it for a fact yeah true a but... universal worldwide like error message pops up and everyone sort of has a has a verifiable like yeah uh, almost That's like the, alien was... activity or something right where every yeah. human being experiences the same thing simultaneously or whatever well, I mean, that's it's kind of the fun and the, the conspiracy theory side of this theory is you know, if you go, I, I went on Reddit and uh, obviously it's just like full of this shit yeah. and people trying to work out. I think one Reddit that one subreddit that I read was um, if if simulation theory is a fact, what what would we look back at in hindsight that we would say it was it was right there in front of us that it was obvious. And obviously people are saying like, because it's basically the matrix. We're basically talking about the matrix kind of question. Um, and people are saying, you know, like deja vu um, is a big one that, that people cite as a, I mean, this, this is getting kind of a wishy-washy area. Um, what, what was another one? Um, isn't, isn't that, isn't it? telling that the indicators of this concept being true are the indicators that the fiction of the film tells you is an indicator of it do you know what i mean like <laughs> well that's on reddit <laughs> sure but you know if does this um what did you say his name was bolton bolson houston bostrom bostrom um does he have uh, any suggestion as to whether or not it's verifiable? Does he say explicitly it, it'll never be verifiable? Um, let me check here. <laughs> so I've just got 15 irrefutable reasons why we might be living in a simulation. I love it. It says really going deep. Irrefutable and then might in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very funny. Uh, there's one called the Mandela effect. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah, it's when there's a shared sort of cultural um, event that everyone thinks happened but didn't happen. Yeah. So people, uh, some people claim to remember TV coverage of Nelson Mandela's death in the 1980s, even though he actually died in 2013. The Mandela effect is therefore supposedly proof that whatever is in charge of our simulation is changing the past. Yeah. Um, There was also, yeah, I, I feel like I've actually... I might have that on our, um, we have a shared deep fort notes. Um, and I feel like I might've actually put that down there as something that was, um, of curious, uh, and worthy discussion. Um, but yeah, and that's like also the, oh, I forget the other examples they gave, but like people misremembering the lyrics to songs and being really confident that like something was one thing. And then it turns out it's not, um, I mean, all this stuff like deja vu, and stuff it's all just like people not realizing the incredible fallibility fallibility of their mind really that's what it is yeah and dreams as well i mean look you can have a field day i mean that's always a problem if you start with the conclusion you can find anything to fill it 
Yeah. You, know, you can find evidence for anything. And that's, I don't know, I find that's a little bit of fun. Uh, yeah, no, it is interesting to consider, um, particularly when you extrapolate it to a, a multiple levels deep kind of thing. Um, so can you, uh, in, in uh, oh, sorry, what's his name? Bolstrom? Sure. In his um, research, uh, how does he get to the conclusion that it is most likely that it's a simulation and not, you know, he says one of these three is going to be true, right? And getting post-human, why does he think we're not going to get to post-human? Because we kill ourselves. Okay. So if that's likely, then why is it the case that some organic level got to that point where they could reach that simulation thing above us to create us? Well, I think that's why he's giving three... He's basically laying out three options, three paths that a civilization a civilization could have taken. Either they sure. blow themselves up, either they have no interest in doing that, or they do. Okay. Okay, I hadn't There's quite formulas got the here. third one I is... can't really interpret them. Oh, yeah. Um, so they blow themselves up, they, they're interested in it, or they're not interested in it. Yeah, that that's actually quite a... I mean, that covers all the bases, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they die, they do it, or they don't do it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm sure that there's much more depth into how he's explained it, but it's quite funny that, that at the top level, it's like, well, yep, that's that's your choices, isn't it? Yeah, I guess those those are the choices. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he just pointed them out. Uh, yeah, I'm, there's obviously like heaps that I'm not. Um, yeah, totally. No, really I'm not. Relaying I'm, very well. I'm not expecting you to go into the science of it, but I was just curious whether or not um, he had sort of an explanation for um, uh, how he got to that final conclusion. I suppose. Well, I think I think the argument is sound that if if a computer if a civilization has somewhere else in the universe has gotten to a point where they can create a simulation as good as what we are seeing right now, then the odds are pretty high that we are living in one. If that right. has happened once, I mean, that that in itself is quite a big leap, obviously. But if yeah. that has happened once, and also the fact that we almost the idea, almost the fact that we are, having the conversation or having that discussion is almost proof. No, it's not. The fact that well, we can think not... of things which don't exist. You can, you can think the, of no, so sorry, many sorry, other sorry, ways sorry, that sorry, the world sorry, could, sorry. world could sorry. be. The fact, the fact that our evolution has taken, our technological evolution has taken, uh, the, has taken us to the point where we can create other simulations already now, even if even if they are not all that realistic. Or conscious. We haven't crossed a consciousness threshold. Sure. Maybe that's maybe that is the path that all life takes if it's created everywhere. I mean, does uh, evolution in, evolution the path really heads only towards goes being forward. able to create consciousness? Well, if nothing stands in its way, if, if it doesn't kill itself, uh, then 
technology technology only goes forward. So I don't know. I need to, I need to stop yeah, thinking. Yeah, put on the Family Guy once in a while. <laughs> Please don't watch Family Guy. Um, <laughs> or as <laughs> the Family Guy. Um, I need to put on the Family Guy once in a while. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh so much. I don't know either. Um, also, what's wrong with Family Guy? Family Guy is not. Uh, doesn't matter. Um, it's it's like a you you remember the um, the South Park criticism of it, right? That it's references, it's not jokes. It's like manatee. Manatee. Every time I watch it, I've laughed every single time. Oh, every time I watch an episode, episodes. doesn't matter. It's funny. Okay. Well, anyway, um, that feud's pretty funny. What what? The South Park Family Guy feud. It's pretty funny. Right, yeah. I don't know how intense that is. But yeah, the um Oh, I forget what my point was now. <laughs> You're talking about Peter Griffin. <laughs> yeah, fighting a chicken. Um Oh, right. All all consciousness ends up in creating technological AI. Um Yeah, I think surely there are It's it's an impossible hypothetical, but technology, uh, I don't know that it's necessarily been proven, right? That our technology has the capacity to mimic consciousness, right? Like that's that's a conceptive, like we can talk about the advancement of technology and, and that, you know, becomes, you know, increasing, you know, teraflops of speed and, you know, processes per second and that sort of stuff. But does that... Is it therefore guaranteed that at a certain threshold we'll reach a point in which that is consciousness? Or does, is that a leap? Because I, I think I, I'm open to the idea time, that... It's likely. Well, we, don't, we don't know what consciousness is. We don't know what it is. That's what I'm kind of getting it's, at. Is is not in a spiritual sense, but maybe... Um, at, at what point do we know a thing is conscious and at what point can we can we verify that we've created something which is conscious Te- like a technological level yeah if if all that's of, a, of all of our perception is subjective as human beings right we can't get into the head of the thing that we've created to know whether or not it is or isn't conscious. So how do we, how do we really know whether or not we get to a even at an infinite timeline to get to an infinite level of processing power? Do we know that the thing that we've created is equivalent to consciousness in the way that we as humans experience consciousness? Yeah, that's interesting. I I think it's conceivable that we could get to that point, even if it's not now. I mean, the the flip side, my the devil's advocate to what I just posited is that our understanding of what consciousness is, if we were in a simulation, may be a flawed or limited version of the consciousness of the organic beings at a level above us. Well, um, that's it, man. And so maybe actually, what we're what we think of as free will and consciousness is not actually a, a true reality in in a in the real world, wherever that is. Yeah. And there's, there's, um, yeah, 
thinking about a concept like infinity. I mean, it's fun to put your brain through that test because your brain just doesn't get it. We just cannot, I cannot grasp, We no one can grasp it. Yeah. For me, and the concept of infinity ends it around like one trillion. Like anything beyond that, it just like, yeah. it just ends, right? You can't think, you can't, like I can sort of, yeah. I can I can follow the conceptual steps. Like, okay, there's there's a million people in this country and then there's, okay, there's a billion people and, okay, eight billion people on the earth and then you sort of get out there and it becomes like billions of stars and then there's like a trillion dollars and then beyond that, it just sort of like loses frame of reference, right? So infinity for me is effectively like one quadrillion. Anything above a quadrillion <laughs> is just infinity to me, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm like. I'm like fifty thousand, really. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, what I got. Like a football stadium. Yeah. If you pack out the MCG, that, anything beyond that's infinity. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, MCG is probably more yeah, than fifty thousand. Don't write me. Realizing your brain recognizing that it the limitations that it has conceptually is funny i mean yeah also the, the the fact that we just go to sleep we have no we don't have consciousness for like an third of the day a third we of just, our life yeah we we don't experience yeah it's so weird to think of uh programming a consciousness which turns off <laughs> turns off all the time it's so, so strange i mean um, it does yeah, if you if you are working backwards, there's plenty of stuff there to fill it in with, you know, stuff that kind of seems like it, it, it's if you if you were programming a a conscious being, or if even if you were con- if you were programming life in any way that I mean that's what would happen. And but the, the, I mean, if you think of like history, like your concept of of history. I mean, past a certain point where we where we have no, you know, um, anecdotal evidence, potentially we our, our human consciousness could have just started at a certain point in history, and we would have just been, you know, we could have had the history of humankind just in our consciousness uploaded into our consciousness and starting from a certain point. Well, they, I've yeah, lost I mean, it. I've lost it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> There's an interesting point there, which is not what you said. Um, but uh, Thanks, the idea... The, yeah, so <laughs> you made a really interesting you are, you point already, there accidentally. <laughs> no, it's true. The, um, the idea that at some point a creature that was not a human was born or ate meat or reached a point in which there, there was a, there was a creature, a human that became the first human with consciousness. Do you know what I mean? There was, there was one, right? And that's, yeah, that's like, the biological argument, uh, you know, obviously not the simulated argument, but isn't it so interesting to think? And, and it's very strange actually that you brought that up um, about the history as well. Cause I've had this um, note on our notes for a while now, which is how do we know that cavemen discovered fire? How do we know that cavemen discovered fire? There's not no one's no one's telling the story of it, right? Right. No one. Where 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 does this uh, knowledge come from? Where, how, 
Do we have evidence that they were lighting fires? Do we know from historical records? Well, just be- where where does just because we just have so it far? And we just assume that they they did it. They started yeah. it. It's a it's a genuine question. It's not it's not it's not a cynical one. It's like how do we actually know that that they did this? But fire would becomes- have always existed. Fire existed before they did, but how did how do we know that they harvested? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Got got to the point where they could control it or um, utilized it, right? Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, well, is that like an article? It's not an article. No, it's just it was a it was a, a thought, thought I'd had, which yeah. Because once you go back so far, as you say, things you 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 lose um, cultural like, like it's not passed down through culture anymore after a certain limit. Um, mm. We only have a very very slim picture of what happened five thousand years ago, let alone forty thousand years ago. So how do we know that far back? Is it is it truly you know scientific discovery that's that's led to us making that conclusion. We've found like the embers in a cave somewhere with an old proto-human or is it, um, I, I'm not suggesting there's, there's that it's not the case that they did. I'm just asking the question of where does that information come from? Yeah, I do. I love thinking about this stuff. And I think that if, if, um, if we learnt that, we were in a simulation. I would be depressed. But then I think, you know, part of me thinks, why am I latching onto this so much? Am I, if I asked my, if I started talking to my dad about this, or my high school priest slash best friend, I, they would say that I'm really searching for God. That's what they would say. And maybe I, so maybe is that I'm why you would be something. depressed by the confirmation that, it, like, is that, because when when you talk about it, you sound enthused by the idea. But is it actually like if you found out that this was the truth, or if if you settled on this idea, would you feel like uh, why would it be depressing to you? Because I thought when you were saying um, earlier that it would mean uh, confirmation of other levels of consciousness out in the universe, you were saying that like it was a positive thing. Because it would, even though it because it in it would it would lessen the value to me, for me, of life. Oh, so that's, uh, that feels different to what, where you started with. Is, is that, has that developed over our conversation? Uh, it's probably, I don't know. Probably, I, I, probably, just, probably I just, just came like across... shooting out all these different thoughts that are... I just thought all... you were enthused about it, that's all. Um, but I'm, you, enthused. You seem... I'm enthused by the idea. I'm enthused by the idea, but... But you'd be depressed yeah. if it was true. I could be enthused about the prospect of aliens, but if they, I was actually face to face to one, I'd probably shit myself. Yeah, because you're a racist. <laughs> because I'm a interspecialist. <laughs> um. So what? What is it that? Is, so the idea that you're less special is that what you're saying? Like the idea that yeah, consciousness has less value. I think it. I think it would. I, I but would I mean, there's so like, many other conscious animals cheaper. in the world. Do you feel less special because there's like koalas? <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> I don't know. I've I've got a lot of thoughts on this, and um, 
I'm just excited by the the idea that there's something else out there. But then I, I'm also excited. It's the same excitement that I had when I when I first realized or first came to the conclusion that there was no God after believing in God. I was when I when I abandoned the idea of God properly to myself. I was like filled with excitement because it, I don't know. I felt I felt like everything was more. I think I felt like well, everything was more special. Up. That we had just evolved from single-celled organisms, and that this was a complete fluke of nature. But then also, may maybe because there's such a huge amount of space in the universe that I can't grasp in my head that there's just things out there that uh, that I just don't know and will probably never know. And MH370, I'm still obsessed with that. <laughs> like. I don't know, like the, 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 when, when the, those types of things, the, mis- the mystery and of the universe and the mystery of anything, I just get really excited by it, but I'm not necessarily uh, thrilled about it. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm glad that you can hold uh, both of those uh, thoughts simultaneously. You can be enthused and depressed at the same time yeah i'm 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 a i'm a consummate nihilist you're a glass half full kind of guy who just keeps tipping the glass out (laughs) cool should we do a uh should do a segi yeah so that was that was a pretty piss poor um uh explanation of the Thing no, from it me, was a, a leap, a leaping uh, off point for interesting um, chit chat. Uh, how about some science news? Oh, fuck yes, dude! Play the jingle. I'm gonna do one where I don't peek. Play the jingle. <laughs> I don't think that was any better. Anyway, we'll play the jingle. We'll play it twice. <laughs> Include all that. It's that time. Time for science news. Okay. What do you got for me, baby? Uh, speaking of, I've got a uh, lovely article here on the website, uh, vox.com, vox.com. Many, the title is study, colon, many of the oldest people in the world may not be as old as we think. Um, A new paper has explored what supercentenarians, 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 I don't know how to emphasize those syllables. Um, A new paper explores what they have in common. It turns out bad record keeping. So, uh, for ages, people have been obsessed by long life, right? We, uh, the super elderly, how do people get to age 100, 110 years old? Why do some areas like uh, Okinawa in Japan or Sardinia in Italy, why are there so many super centenarians in these places while other regions don't have people living as long? Is it genetics? Is it diet? Is it environment? Are people going for long walks at dawn? 
basically, a uh, study has gone in and said it's none of the above. It is basically the majority of supercentenarians, people who've reached 110, the majority of them in the United States are engaged in intentional or unintentional exaggeration. What? And it's uh, due to... It's due to the state of record keeping. Um, the idea being that the reliable, um, predictable, accurate state record keeping, they've been introduced in different places at different times with different levels of quality. Um, and a century ago, lots of places didn't have good record keeping. So the uh, <laughs> basically this study went through and it looked at birth certificates introduction in various locations and found that when they introduced an actual birth certificate system and started verifying people's ages with a piece of paper which says, this is the date that you were born, it's associated with between a 69 and 82% fall in the number of supercentenarian records. I.e., once you start recording when people were born, no one starts hitting 110 years old anymore. Really? Um, which suggests that, like, out of every 10 super old people, seven or eight of them are younger than that, but don't know it because of bad record keeping. <laughs> so it could be, it doesn't mean they're necessarily lying. It could be that they lost track of their age a long time ago. They double counted some years. They were told the wrong birth year by parents or that sort of thing. Um, but basically due to poor accounting effectively, people are not quite as old as they say they are. Um, and so a lot of the studies that have been conducted on these people trying to work out the secrets of old age, the genetic testing, the diet surveys, the, you know, are you smoking, are you drinking? All of these studies may, may be based on like a, a false <laughs> false uh, user base. They're not accurate because the people are not as old as they say they are. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, it just what, what a strange sort of quirk of the scientific method that this assumption that everyone was basing their studies on is flawed, that these people are the actual age that they said they were. Yeah, it's um, like Jenga, isn't it? You know, it's like Jenga. Oh, yeah, yeah you, t- you, pull a, you pull a brick out and suddenly you <laughs> the whole tower falls. Um, there's a uh, another thing. Uh, so this is the second kind of controversial side of the, um, the study. Um so the paper then went and looked at Italy and Japan where um, there were also meant to be clusters of these really old people. Um, Italy keeps better vital statistics than the, U- um, the US did and has had that for hundreds of years. Um, and yet in Italy, there are clusters of the country where there are lots of these supercentenarians. Are these people for real was kind of the question. And his analysis was not. Um, and his conclusion there is that even <laughs> with accurate records, he started noticing that the parts of Italy that had the most 110-year-olds overall had higher crime rates and lower life expectancy. So why is it that an area that has low life expectancy is also producing this disproportionate amount of really old people? And the same thing happened in Japan. Um, And the paper basically puts this, you know, proposal forward to say that given how unlikely it is that living in a high-crime, low-life expectancy area is the thing that makes it likeliest for people to reach 110, the logical conclusion 
is that many, if not most of those people in those areas are engaged in fraud or exaggeration. Um, whether it's reporting area, wow. right, whether it's pension fraud, and they're trying to like claim they're still alive for pension benefits, claiming the identity of like an older parent or sibling, um, and basically saying that, again, even with old records, these ones have <laughs> proven problematic. Um, That's so amazing. Basically, the upshot has been the findings of, have uh, resulted in serious questions about the validity of an extensive body of research about um, age populations, um, you know, life expectancy, individuals, the biomarkers, the habits, the diets that are useful. They're probably all worthless because most of the sample was not as old as we thought they were. That's really funny and kind of disappointing in a weird way. <laughs> I'm sorry that this has been an episode of disappointment for you. The good thing is yeah. that if we're simulated, oh, uh, none of their um, lives really mattered, so it's fine. <laughs> Fuck, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a really bad father. <laughs> I don't think that's true. <laughs> well, I mean, there's no way... Instilling the search and curiosity. There's no way I could tell, look into my child's eyes and tell them. Uh, I, I, could, I couldn't make up a story, I don't think. I couldn't make up a story. I couldn't tell them that there's a God. I couldn't tell them there's an afterlife. I couldn't tell them that the, the reason that mommy's not around anymore is because she uh, <laughs> met some Spanish guy. Uh, <laughs> but you can you can withhold information. You don't have to, like... Just throw that stuff out there. It's only if they ask those questions and they're not going to say, Daddy, am I in a computer? That's not going to come up for a while. Uh, yeah, but you put two drinks in me and uh, I'll spill the beans. <laughs> you start talking about it anyway. <laughs> and then, it's pretty likely that I'll be two drinks in most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. Oh, yeah. well, if you've enjoyed this kind of thing, um, thank you so much for coming along. And um, I hope that it made your day better. And I hope that uh, you can share that good vibes with the people around you to make the world a better place. Um, and if you'd like to join us for more Deep Thoughts, you can do it at facebook.com forward slash deep thought. You can do it at twitter.com forward slash deep thought for notifications about when an episode goes up. You can find us at deepthought.podbean.com. You can send your questions and topics to... Uh, deepfort at gmail.com and uh, you can jump into iTunes and just give us an old rating and uh, we'll feel better for it and you'll feel better for it so um, why not get a hit of dopamine today I might do that alright uh, uh, speaking of mail let's uh, let's wrap this up with a mailbag maybe mailbag mailbag it's a weekly mailbag Deepfort's mailbag one email here this week uh, from someone named Steve. Steve Alina. Steve Alinier. Steve Alinier. Uh, Steve says, Dear Deep Thinkers, here's a list of the top 10 Damons Damon Wayans Jr., Damon Alban, Damon Douglas, Damon Dash, Dr. Damon Jones, Damon Studemeyer, Damon Hill, Damon Pampelina, Damon Gupton, and the actor Carl Urban born Damon Nico. How good is the boys? Seriously, please don't fact check, fact check the list. With love and squalor, Steve. Two kisses. Um, thank you for your email, Steve. Um, I appreciate the uh, support 
Thanks. In in response, I believe, to my suggestion that my uh, pimp name, when I go on the run, be Damon K. Star, um, which was poo-pooed by one of the members of uh, of the podcast team as being an unlikely name. But as I think, as we've all seen, um, a very popular name, lots of famous people. Again, Damon Lindelof left off that list. Damon Harriman left off that list. Um, there's dozens of them out there. Um, and I think a perfectly valid name for someone to choose when on the run. Yeah. So I, I didn't realize that um, that had any context whatsoever. And I was just like listening to that list and I was just like, I mean, cool list, bro, but why <laughs> but uh it's just nice to know that the uh, the listeners out there back me up and my my <laughs> my new farm brothel um uh out in the uh, queensland wilds um so did i poo poo that i think damon k stars a pretty i think good you were name. on board with it by the end but you were skeptical that it was uh, that it was <laughs> just a common australian encounter yeah okay. um he says, how good is The Boys? The Boys is a really good show. I like The Boys a lot. It's really fucked up. Do we know this person? Yeah, his name's Steve Alenier. Yeah. it's French. I, I don't know any I, Steve Alenier. I, I don't know him either, but I'm delighted. Um, really? Yeah, the, boy, the Boys. Yeah, no, I don't know. You know this means? We made, we it, made it. Guys, we, we did it! We did it! We did it! We hit one fan who does not Someone directly that we know didn't either know. of us. Someone. Holy shit. Play the music. Play the music. Please. All the balloons are flat. Oh. All the balloons well, are flat. Wow. That's pretty good. That's pretty I'm good. I'm genuinely chuffed by that. Thank you. What was it? Steve Alonzis. Steve Alonzis. Steve Bolognese. Steve Bolognese. Thank you. The Boys is very good. Have you watched The Boys? You won't watch The Boys because it's got superheroes in it. But it's about fucked up superheroes. Does that make it any more interesting? Um, no, because I'm not 12. 12-year-old but... <laughs> should not be watching that show. Steve, right now, he's laughing. He's like, <laughs> Michael, you sound like a fucking idiot. <laughs> uh, do you think... Wait, serious question now. Serious time, Nick. Mailbag's over. Serious time. Mailbag's over. Put the envelopes down. <laughs> the digital envelopes. Um, actually, no. Nah. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't. You can't call serious time. You can't. You're not allowed to like <laughs> ring that bell and then just like put the gong back down. I'm sorry. It's now serious time, Michael. We're in serious time. You've got to bring something to the table. All right, I'll bring something else to the table. But it wasn't the thing that I originally thought of. Um, I'm keen for this um, Dragon's Den episode. I've, I've, been, I've been coming up with heaps of inventions. This is, uh, if you're <laughs> intending this to be in the podcast, <laughs> this is a, I suppose, a free tease for an upcoming episode. Um <laughs> In which yeah. we will be uh, dragon standing. We'll be dragon standing. We'll be pitching our great ideas to each other, looking for investment from you and uh, the audience, um, just to kick off our Indiegogos. Yeah. Um, so yes, uh, 
what was your point here? Just that you're looking forward to it? That, no, I was, I was just looking forward to it. I've been thinking, I've been thinking about, you know, I've been thinking about various different types of inventions. I'm thinking outside the box pretty heavily on this one. Um, <laughs> Is it a new kind I got of really excited. It's got no walls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking outside the box where the box is levitating. <laughs> Ooh, I'm very excited. And it's also 3D. Yeah. And has what curved kind of boxes edges. have you ever encountered which are not 3D? Um, uh, Microsoft. I've got. A, I'm thinking outside the box here. It's a two-dimensional box. It's a drawing of a box. You can look at it. <laughs> you can carry it around with you. <laughs> it doesn't hold any of the benefits of boxes in a traditional sense, but it's got a certain aesthetic value, which is very hard to ignore. You could you could make the argument that thinking inside the box would be thinking outside the box. <laughs> we should. It's inside the box. <laughs> Please go there and pledge your patronage um, for our weekly <laughs> subscription of good ideas. And uh, we'll be back next time with the Dragon's Den. All right. Emma's making ravioli. Oh, what flavor? Sage butter. Oh, what's inside it? No. Um, Potato. Potato? No, oh, I don't Kubera. know what's inside it. I would, I would guess. Well, my fave is um, spinach and ricotta. Spinach and ricotta. <laughs> is this your John Lennon impression? Your John Lennon asking what's for dinner. John Lennon asking what's for about dinner. The yeah, ravioli. As if Yoko's making ravioli. Sage butter. Sage butter. You got any chestnuts in there, Yoko? Does it have rosemary? What did we have yesterday? Oh, that's a good idea for a song, actually. Because of the song. Make sure it's al dente. <laughs> al dente, Yoko. Do you have that in Japan? They, they probably do. Don't use the sieve. <laughs> <laughs> Things John Lennon definitely never said. New segment. Things John Lennon never said. Are you trying to think of things that John Lennon never said? My iPhones run flat pole. Because oh, he died before iPhones. <laughs> yes, nice one, easy dude. one. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen I'm going, Toy Story I'm gonna win. 4? It's magnificent. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going for technical points here. I don't want just original sentences that he could have seen in the day. I'm going to win on technicalities by only listing things that happened after he died. Oh, brilliant. Oh, good.